0: Today on CityCast Boise, it's our winter break and we're awarding several of our favorite episodes with some classic yearbook superlatives. Back in October, for my very first episode, I sat down with Story Story Night's Jody Eichelberger to talk about how our city gives everything, and I mean everything, a standing ovation. At first I thought it was corny, but Jody brought me around to believing that this is Boise's sweetest local gesture— It's Friday, December 30th, 2022. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is CityCast Boise. Jody, thank you so much for being here. You're my first ever guest. That's Yay! so exciting.
1: Oh my gosh, that's such an honor. I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> I wanted to have you on because you have, you know, performed all over the place and you moved back to Boise, but you you got your start here. And I feel like you'll have such a good insight in a lot of this. Like, I think I've told you this story, actually, that one mm-hmm. time... Uh, I was down at the Morrison Center at 10 a.m. with my aunts for a production of Dirty Dancing, the musical. (laughs) And it was, and I I think what happens a lot with Boise is because we're a smaller market, is uh, like runs of shows like that will start here to like work out some of the kinks. And uh, this show had a lot of kinks, and a lot of forgotten lines, a lot of choreography mishaps. Someone got hurt and cried at one point. Like Ooh, there was wow. so much happening, so like so many issues with the show. And at the end, what did Boise do? Do I have to tell you at the end of the show? You can tell me.
1: Yeah, they gave it a standing ovation. Uh,
0: yes, they did. <laughs> of course, they did. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have talked about this before, but I just think it's such a funny sort of like sweet, but also maybe not great thing that Boise does is we standing O everything. And I was just like, give me a, can you quickly like give me an example of something you've seen like standing O that you, maybe you didn't stand or you didn't want to stand. You were kind of
1: like, oh. Yeah. I mean, I... I go to productions all over at the Morrison center at Boise Contemporary theater, at alley repertory theater. And, you know, for me, a standing ovation happens when it's, it's not even something I think about. It's, it's an energy that lifts me out of my seat and I I can't contain myself. And some of that happens when there are people around you doing that. But yeah, I have definitely been seated, uh, and unable to see the stage, while the rest of the audience is all standing. Sometimes it's been a touring production. Sometimes it's been a local production. I feel like it makes sense in a way when you're in New York and you have spent maybe $150, $250 on your ticket. You almost have to stand to... believe in yourself that you made a good choice. (laughs) I spent $200. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I feel great about it. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I have to stand (laughs) and give it a standing ovation. Uh, You know, but recently, like some of the productions that I have stood for, uh, Ali Rep did a production of the Royale, which was about this African-American boxer. uh, That was their last show in the last spring. And it was an example of where I was just so taken over by the energy of the play, but also aware that it was all done locally. Uh, they did bring an actor in from Chicago, but one of the main actors was a local actor, Dakota Brown, mm-hmm. who was amazing and the role was incredible. But there's certainly been other ones where the production didn't seem extraordinary. And I think people feel that they're supporting it by standing and giving innovation But I also wonder if actually it's good for our local companies if we don't tell them, wow, this is the best thing you've ever done. You know, it's okay to enjoy it and support it, but also let the company know, you know, we've seen you do better work. We think you can do better work. There's probably more ways to improve.
0: (laughs) Yeah, room to grow,
1: room to improve. So it is interesting. I mean, we don't have the market on it. I mean, in London. It's very common to have three standing ovations.
0: Really? So it's not just like a Boise. It's not it just a Boise just thing. It isn't just
1: Boise. But it's the way in sh- London. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, it's Boise and the West End in London. <laughs> but I don't know if you just heard this news story from Cannes. Um, there's that new movie with Colin Firth set in somewhere in the British Isles, but they had an 18-minute standing wow. ovation. Wow! I can't, I can't even imagine how you accomplish that how you can stand and clap yeah. for 18 minutes yeah yeah
0: and and you bring up an interesting point because you know I've always been of kind of two minds about it, a little torn um because you know, you know, I, like you, I've performed all over the place. And uh, when a lot of times when friends of mine who are musicians or comedians will come through, they're so astounded by how gracious and generous the Boise crowds are. And they're always like, I got a standing ovation. And I don't quite have the heart to be like, well, so did the belly dancing show I saw at 2pm at uh, Fred Meyer, you know, so just maybe, you know, maybe cool it. But, but I also feel like, like you said, like. On the one hand, I feel like this can be such an amazing incubator for budding talent and um, can also be like a place really talented people like you come back to or even stay like Dakota Brown, you know, like. People stay here because of the crowds. For That's a big part of the reason is. And so, I mean, I myself, I have wonderful audiences. I love to perform here. The people are so fun, so gracious. The Story Story Night crowds were always some of my favorite crowds, just there for anything so supportive. I would always tell people when you were telling a story for Story Story Night that the crowd was like, go ahead, sweetie. You know, <laughs> like they yeah. were just so on your team. They're and on I, your
1: side. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that's so important for new performers and tired old hacks like me. You know, like either way, it's Mm -hmm. like very, very helpful. But at the same time, I think, like you said, like, you know, it it doesn't exactly push a person to Mm. become a better performer. And also Mm. I know from my own experience and from other people who after you start performing in other places other than other than Boise, you can get a real slap in the face Mm. for as far as like where you're really at as a performer, because you're, you can be a big fish in a small pond here kind of forever, but then the second Mm -hmm. you go to a larger city and they're expecting like, you know, New York level, (laughs) you know, they'll like, a lot of times you can kind of get a little dressed down by a crowd and maybe expecting that like super positive energy.
1: Yeah. We had a resident at our program at Searle's place who was from Croatia and I sent her to a program. It was a literary program in Boise. And afterwards I was like, so how was it? How was it? She's like, oh, Jody, everything was amazing. Everything was awesome, except it was not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What was the not? I'm so curious. What was the not?
1: I think what she was saying is that people were sharing their reading and everyone's comments were like, wow, that was incredible. That was so awesome. I mean, it's really amazing. And, and so all the comments were awesome, awesome, awesome. But her viewpoint was that, no, there was work to do. It it mm. wasn't awesome. You know, there were things that needed to be developed and improved. And so it was really interesting to get her perspective of that community as well. And that's not actually helpful. It is enthusiastic and it is supportive in a way, but not necessarily helpful to someone developing their craft.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I you might not have been back when this happened, but there was a um a Portland art critic who moved here, this was, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe, who moved here Mm. and he continued writing critiques of art here as though he was still in Portland. And I think he worked for The Weekly and he wrote some articles for The Statesman and a few other things, but he got run out of town. I mean, people hated him. They were livid that he was giving really fair and sort of honest and like, sometimes kind of brutal feedback for and he Mm -hmm. went to everything he went to you know gallery shows and he went to plays and he came to comedy and he would write very honest reviews of things and Boise did he was not having it and I was always Mm -hmm. kind of like look I I think maybe the way that this person is going about this is a little you know brusque but a lot of what he was saying was uh, like it was true it was honest and I, I kind of felt like maybe we needed more of that. Like we needed people who were sort of willing to make their friends in the art scene mad in order to be like, no, we could raise the standards on some of this. But yeah, he ended up moving back to Portland because mm. people were like, no, we're not doing that here. Absolutely not.
1: Is there someone who is fulfilling that role currently? Do we have any critics for entertainment?
0: I, I can't think of anyone like anybody that I know would go like like you said go to something go to so, mm-hmm. go to a play at BCT and be willing to write up a scathing review <laughs> that made it so that when they walked into flying you know flying everybody turns their heads and is furious you know I know I don't think we do which is such an interesting point because like there's a there's a Fran uh, Lebowitz quote that I absolutely love and she's well I mean I just think it's an interesting quote because. She says, you need a high level of connoisseurship. It's, or I'm paraphrasing, but it's like uh, a high level of connoisseurship is as important to art as the artist. And I think, I don't know. Do you think that's true? Do you agree with that sentiment?
1: It's a little tricky because I know that there are lots of performers who refuse to read any critiques or reviews. Like they don't want that to be part of their experience. They don't want it to affect the continuation of their run. I mean, that's a little different when you're doing a show that runs for six months or years than it is when you have a show in Boise that lasts two weeks or three weeks. Uh, But, yeah, I think it's helpful. I like to I think it helps me get the pulse of the community. And I think that as a performer doing work in live theater or even dance or opera, whatever it is, it is nice to know that there's something about your performance that continues past when the audience leaves the theater, uh, that there's a dialogue about it. And, you know, we're not privy to people's private conversations. So our only way of experiencing a dialogue about an art event that happens in town is really through critics. And, you know, not the previews that sometimes happen in journalism, where it's like, hey, this person's coming to do this show, or we've got two of the actors from Idaho Shakespeare Festival who are going to tell us about about their roles. I'm talking about, after the show, what impact did it have? How did the company that did it either strengthen that or weaken it? That's an interesting dialogue to continue to have, which gives importance to the work.
0: Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with that. You plateau, I think, as an artist without critique and feedback and people telling you what it meant to the community, if anything, you know?
1: Well, and it's a, a helpful way of having a different view of it because when you're inside the work, it's a very you know, tunnel vision. Uh, I started the day with a really amazing view of our city uh, today. Uh, I took a hot air balloon ride over oh, wow. the valley. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> from from Meridian to Star, it was my route because we had a north south wind today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's that perspective, and, you know, that can give you, that can be part of that when you get someone's view from another viewpoint. Uh, to me, of course, all great wisdom comes from the Muppets. So what I am reminded <laughs> of is, uh, uh, I think I've misremembered it actually, but being in the hot air balloon, I was remembering Donzo being in a balloon, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure any he, and he this song that was, is there a song there? Do I belong there? And for both of us, I think being in this community, that's a question that we ask is is uh, is there a song here is something singing in our entertainment community here that is creating something more than we can describe something that we feel something that builds on itself and then also do we belong here um i think we have to keep asking ourselves that question but it certainly the community is i was talking about this the other day about how the difference between, for instance, performing in New York and performing in Boise uh, is my much greater awareness of community and that the relationship between me and the audience doesn't necessarily end when the show's over because these are people that, like you said how the critic couldn't really survive because it's people that you see at, at, at flying in. it's people that you see on the Greenbelt. and you know if you gave a really bad performance, those people may avoid looking at you as you walk by. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like if you bomb, they're like, "Well, okay. <laughs> we still like you as a person," which is a very I feel like maybe that's what what's behind a lot of the standing ovations Boise gives is like, "Hey, that was a they're little rough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're still friends. We're still it's friends. Very, yeah. I still love you. I still love you. That I support was... <laughs> you. I support you in whatever you do."
0: Not your best 18 minutes just clapping. Like Not your minutes. best.
1: 18 minutes. <laughs> I feel like comedy doesn't it's not really built in for standing ovations as much, is it? I mean, you know,
0: uh-uh. you, you occasionally see it at Story Story Night. I've been there for a few standing ovations. What's your favorite standing ovation that's happened at Story Story Night? Or favorites?
1: Well, you know, uh, one of them was uh, Shadi Ismail, who's a member of our community who came here as a refugee and you know, I always thought that storytelling was really about your word craft. How well do you put your sentences together? What word choices do you use? At the time when he shared his story about coming here, his English was not at a high level. And so he had to use really basic words. His story was riveting and the audience leapt to their feet afterwards. Mm. It was absolutely incredible. It was, and you know, it was about him feeling like, he had run from this place of hate and that Boise was a place of love, that he could mm. be who he was and and live in this community. He's still here. They actually made an Apple Plus movie series based on his story, part of a series, which was pretty interesting.
0: Well, that's one thing I love about Story Story Night so much is it's not always so much about the craft. It's about the vulnerability. Yeah. And I have been to a lot of other and participated in a lot of other storytelling, you know, programs, you know, the moth and things like that mm-hmm. all over the country. And I will say Boise is a place I have seen the most vulnerable stories happen because I think in Mm -hmm. bigger cities, like I've done the moth in New York and people are competing for a book deal (laughs) when they do the moth. Like the feel of it is like, this is going to land me a spot on NPR, you know, like, but Boise people are really just getting up and just spilling their guts in a beautiful, vulnerable way.
1: And that's where I first saw you. I had literally been in Boise, I think for three days when i went over to see a story story late night that you were hosting and had just come from new york had just been at a moth event probably two or three weeks before and that contrast was huge uh because just as you said like when i was at the moth you'd see people standing in a corner muttering to themselves like going through their story because they wanted it to be you know word perfect and they would Figured it out exactly how they were going to deliver it. They're, they weren't really responding to the audience because it was all premeditated and very tightly focused. Uh, and the show here, as you said, it's it's just the vulnerability. The the stakes are lower, but somehow the power is much higher, which is really fascinating.
0: Well, talking to you, I was uh, at the beginning of this. I feel like I was leaning more towards like we got to stop standing ovationing everything we got to stop it Boise but hearing Mm. you talk about that makes me just feel like no we're so sweet and you know Mm. what Boise keeps standing up for everything and you know what I'll do it too so (laughs) thank you Jody, so much for being my very first guest this was super fun and um I'm gonna keep standing up uh for everything that you do because it's the best and you're the best and I love you so much
1: oh I love you and I should have Put out there that, of course, I still expect standing ovations for the things <laughs> oh, right. that I am in.
0: <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> like, don't to for, for the listeners. Down for, me. <laughs> for the listeners, clearly, I mean, you know, be discerning. But Jody and I still expect you to stand up for yes, us. So be reasonable. Right. <laughs> that's all for today here on CityCast Boise. We'll be back from our holiday break January 3rd with your resolutions and predictions for 2023. Until then, we miss you. We love you. Happy New Year.